Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Gordon Corman about his new middle grade book, What's His Face? The book is due out May 8th from Scholastic Press, which is sponsoring this podcast. Corman is the author of more than 90 books for young readers, including Ungifted, Slacker, The Swindle Series, and four books in the best-selling series, The 39 Clues. In What's His Face, 12-year-old Cooper once again finds himself starting over at a new school after his family's move. His classmates barely acknowledge his existence. Then Cooper gets a fancy new smartphone and strange things begin to happen. What first seems like a tech glitch turns out to be a haunting. Inside Cooper's phone is the ghost of a 16th century boy named Roderick, who claims to have a connection to William Shakespeare. Thank you for speaking with me, Gordon. Well, thrilled to be here. So this new book blends a bit of sci-fi and paranormal elements with Shakespeare. I'm curious, where did the idea for the mashup come from? Well, initially just my own kids, because uh, I always find it funny that they grew up in a, in a generation where smartphones and computers and iPads, like they just naturally expect this stuff is going to work. And you know, when it doesn't, they get absolutely crazy and, and they sort of assume that there's some kind of a glitch or the Wi-Fi is out. Whereas I'm way more skeptical because when I was a kid, we didn't have that. So I have sort of a um, kind of a, a childlike wonder for all this stuff. I'm kind of amazed that it works at all. And it sort of occurred to me that when a device is glitchy, it almost seems like it's haunted sometimes. Uh, it almost seems like there's a malevolent force inside of it just trying to drive you absolutely crazy. Uh, and, and then sort of the what if became, what if there was a kid who was so upset about the fact that his new phone was glitchy that he just couldn't realize the fact that the thing, it, it's not a software problem, that his phone is actually haunted. Much of this story's humor comes from Roddy's colorful Elizabethan language and fish-out-of-water perspective. What kinds of period research did you do? Well, I mean, just just Shakespeare and, you know, kind of uh, Elizabethan times. Um, you know, some of it's Shakespeare and some of it just the, the history of, of England in the late 16th century. It was a blast to sort of play around with that. But even my books that are more realistic fiction, which I suppose is what I'm a little bit more known for, the idea of being the outsider, you know, uh, kind of the, the misfit or the kid who's kind of on the outside looking in has been kind of a, a recurring theme that I've had a lot of fun with. And what could be, what could be more of an outsider than being an outsider by four centuries? I saw in your bio that you studied dramatic writing at NYU. Was your focus always on writing, or did you trod the boards at all? Well, I um, I never really, I guess, tried my, my screenwriting and filmmaking hand at it. You, you know, like I never, I, the problem with me was I started writing really young, so that by the time I got to college, I already had a few books out, and everything was going great in the kids' book world. So I suppose it never really made sense for me to kind of put all that on hold and and sort of 
you know, sort of shop around that spec script just because I was always writing. I always had a new kid's book or a new teen book. And uh, it just sort of never, never happened for me. But I think it does give me kind of a cinematic approach to my book. Certainly when I was a kid and I was writing, I always envisioned the story as like a movie in my head that I was just describing to somebody who, who was sitting beside me but couldn't see it. So I think it's always been a factor in, in my writing, but I've never actually pursued it you know, that well. And what made you choose the play Romeo and Juliet as the focus of this book? Well, I mean, it's one that I knew really well. And I also think that it's probably, if not Shakespeare's most famous play, it's certainly the one that would be the most immediately identifiable to kids. Uh, and, and probably the one that's, that's the most reasonable to expect a seventh grade class in a middle school to actually be performing. There have been quite a few theories about the authorship of Shakespeare's plays. Without spoiling your plot, could you talk a bit about what drew you to that mystery? Well, I guess it's it's kind of fun to to sort of play around on on you know the the idea that Marlowe wrote all of Shakespeare's plays or that sort of clan of of writers of the time that Shakespeare was sort of a member of that they were all kind of writing them for him. You know, he was fairly unique among the group in that he came to the group initially as an actor rather than rather than a writer. So um, so I guess, you, you know, it, it's sort of fun to, and juicy to speculate on, well, they all really liked this guy and he was a great actor in their troupe. So they all kind of got together and, and created this this oeuvre for him. Um you know, I kind of, I, I kind of feel like it, it's so long ago that the, the, and the, and we ha- the plays are so much. It's almost like there are plays, not not Shakespeare's at this point. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure we're ever going to get that sort of smoking gun evidence. It's like, oh, Shakespeare didn't write this, but but it's just so much fun to play around with. You also mentioned the experience of seeing today's generation of kids so dependent on technology. Do you see that as maybe getting in the way of other activities like reading? Well, I mean, you know, I guess it's, it's fun to sort of talk about stuff like that. Look, I, 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 my first book came out in 1978, so I've, I've been doing this forever. And I know that when I visited, um, visited schools in like, 1985 people were saying ah oh, you know these kids don't read anymore they've got you know so many tv channels and so many video games and so many distractions um you know and i actually still think that kids read as much as they used to i think they might even might even read more so uh so i mean i admit that they think about the world differently and i think that um you know their attention span is probably I'll say worse exactly, but it certainly functions differently than my, my mind did when, when I was the age of, you know, sort of middle grade readers today. But, you know, I, I don't want to be sort of like the curmudgeonly guy saying, ah, oh, it's not like it was in the old days. I mean, it's different, but uh, I think kids read a lot. I think they they love books. It's just a different time. You know, I look at my own kids and they don't watch TV anymore, right? Like, like they watch, they watch YouTube, they watch Netflix, they watch a million things on their phones. But in terms of like 
saying, oh, at 9.30, this show comes on, and I've got to watch that. That never happens in my, my kid's life. That's a thing that is almost completely ended today. So, you know, we're, we're living in a different world than the one, certainly the one that I grew up in. With such an extensive body of work behind you, how do you continue to find fresh material for your books? You know, I'm with kids all the time. Uh, I do a lot of school visits. Um, you know, I have my own kids and I, I do get ideas from them uh, and certainly observe them. But, but it's kind of funny, you know, but I did a lot of writing and had a lot of ideas before I had kids. And now that, you know, the, the older of my children are sort of passing the age that, that I write about. I mean, I have a college freshman now and my, my daughter is a, um, a sophomore in high school. And my youngest is a seventh grader. So uh, I still feel like I get the ideas mostly from myself. And, and I think it's um, I sort of believe that there are some people who really remember how it feels to be a kid. You know, you know my mom is quite elderly and she She's totally a kid. She, um, in the summer, when the back to school ads start to show up in, in newspapers and on TV, she starts to get a little clammy and uneasy about it. She hates it. Uh, and I'm like, Mom, no one's making you go back to school, right? No one's made you go back to school for decades. But you know what? She thinks like a kid. It still makes her uncomfortable. Uh, I feel like I'm like that, maybe not quite as naturally as she is. I also know people who, by the time they start the eighth grade, they've already forgotten how it feels to be a seventh grader. So I think like, I'm just really, really lucky that I'm one of those people who remembers being a kid. And were you a big reader growing up? I was, um, I was off and on a big reader, like a lot of, like a lot of boys, you know, uh, a, a good reader, but occasionally a classic can read, but won't, you know, and, um, it was sometimes hard to interest me in new things. You know, I'd have my favorites and I would reread them endlessly, but I was very, very resistant to picking up a new book. And, you know, my mom, big, big reader was always sort of at the library and bookstores, like, like, you know, throwing stuff at me because she knew once she got me hooked on a new author, or a new series, I was in. But it was really, really hard for me to sort of make that leap to a new thing. You mentioned that you published your first novel when you were still in high school. What advice would you give to aspiring young authors? Well, I think, you know, the ones who are destined to get there are just going to get there. That, that sort of amazes me is that when I when I look at authors my age or older, um, they, they always sort of got here by accident or they sort of backed in, you know, like the classic, oh, I was working as a lawyer, but then, you know, staying up till four in the morning and when my first book got published, I, I switched. Um, today's kids are different, right? They, they always wanted to be writers. They grew up writing for their middle school and high school literary magazines. They studied writing in college. Um, you know, what I would say to kids now is probably things that they're already doing, which is, um, first of all, make writing a part of your life, right? Make it something you do almost every day. And it doesn't matter what kind of writing it is, blog, keep a journal, have a diary. Um, I don't do any of those things, but I'm constantly writing, constantly 
working on a project. You know, I meet a lot of people when I travel and everybody says, oh yeah, I'm going to write a book one day. But it seems like they never write. That They're waiting for this magic moment when all the you know, all the sort of the signs are going to align and everything is going to be perfect and the sky is going to light up and say, today is the day you're going to write that thing you always wanted to write. I feel like that moment is never going to come. And if you're a writer, you just, you write a lot. You do it constantly. It's a regular part of your daily life. How has your own writing process evolved over the years? Has it changed? I mean, it's changed. Uh, you, you know, certainly I, I was so young when I got started writing that I was sort of, you know, kind of restricted to summers, right? I mean, I, you know, that's not to say I didn't do anything during the school year, but the vast majority of the writing I did was during summer vacation and school breaks. Um, you know, so now it's a full-time thing, uh, which is, it's got its pluses and minuses. I mean, I, I certainly feel the pressure more than I did when I was a kid. Um, technology has changed it a little bit, right? I think that before computers, there was a tendency to try and write very carefully and try to get it close to perfect first time around. Whereas I think, you know, the ease of, of writing on a computer is just, you know, you get any old thing down and you fix it, right? You're constantly going, you know, going over it again and again and again, rather than being more careful the, the first time around. The other thing is I have been super blessed with fantastic editors who have really taught me how to do this job. Um, David Levithan at Scholastic, Alessandra Balzer at, at Harper, uh, and so, you know, I could never replicate as a kid the things I've learned from working with, in particular, those two editors. Will you be touring for What's-His-Face? I think so. I mean, um, it, it'll be more gradual just because, uh, you, you know, the late spring release is, is sort of different, right? Because uh, so much of kids' book touring is school-based, Right. So um, and, and, you know, the, the release time in May is kind of when schools are, are winding down. So it's, it's kind of an interesting release that you get with this late spring. It's been um, it's been working for me really, really well lately. You kind of have sort of a, a soft late spring release. Then you get the whole summer reading push and then you get the whole kind of educational channels during the summer. So in a way, you almost get like three releases for the price of one. Can you share anything about what you're working on now? Oh, sure. Well, um, my next book is, is going to be coming out, I believe, in January, certainly early 2019. It's, um, it's called The Unteachables, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It is the worst class in the entire history of school, like the unteachable class. Um, kind of the unteachable class meets the most burnt out teacher of all time and sort of see what happens. That almost sounds like it could be a sitcom. It, it, it was a really fun uh, book to write just because, you know, when, when you work in the kids book world, you spend a lot of time in schools. Uh, that's how you promote your books. That's where you meet your re readers. Um, you know, that's where most of your touring time 
is spent. And there's something really, really classic about that kids in a classroom, in a school setting kind of, kind of setup. Well, congratulations on the new book and thank you for speaking with me. Thanks so much for having me. Once again, I've been speaking with Gordon Corman, whose new middle grade book, What's His Face, is out this month from Scholastic Press. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. <laughs>